Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Change Healthcare Podcast. I'm Bob Hoover. I'm a vice president with Change Healthcare Consulting. During the last 25 years, I've worked with many health plans to develop strategies and implement new systems intended to drive business value for these organizations. Today, I'm excited to be facilitating a conversation with John Wendling, the CEO of Parkland Community Health Plan located in Dallas, Texas. John is currently leading his organization through a major business transformation effort supporting Parkland's transition to a value-based healthcare system. And our second speaker is Joe McIntyre. Joe's a senior manager with Change Healthcare Consulting, who along with a team of CHC consultants is supporting the management team at Parkland with this important effort. Thank you for participating, John, today. But John, before we begin, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Thank you very much. I've been in healthcare for over 30 years. I spent the first half of my career on the provider side of the equation, spent many years with Cincinnati Children's before moving on to a large integrated healthcare delivery system. I had the opportunity uh, in 2006 to move over to the managed care side. And uh, that's where, from my perspective, I, I gained a new appreciation for uh, the overall um, healthcare delivery system um, as we look at both the, the provider community, the community-based organizations, and the managed care organization, and how we should um, effectively work together to sure, ensure that we can integrate services and provide the best outcomes for the individuals that we serve. John, when we first met, you had just taken the CEO position at Parkland, and now you're leading Parkland Community Health Plan through some dramatic structural changes. Can you tell us a little bit about why you believe they are necessary and what drove you to these changes? So when I entered the organization on January 7th, 2018, I was the 15th FTE running a $750 million contract for the state of Texas. Um, sounds very lean, sounds very efficient, uh, and anybody that's in the industry understands that in order to accomplish something like this, you outsource everything you do. Through my early days of assessment and discovery, identified there were several opportunities uh, to make changes, um, both from a cultural transformation, but also from a business model transformation. And so the journey began. And so uh, the first the first order of business uh, was to identify who was going to be that key partner for us um, to kind of help us navigate as we began to scale out the organization to effectively uh, manage our business. So as, as you made that decision and you started looking for that partner, you also, as I recall, you know, your model was outsourced, but you, you, you're you're insourcing some functions as well as you're, as, 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 as you're changing your business process outsourcing partner. Is that, is that correct? And what are you yeah. trying to accomplish with that? So, great question. Uh, so, from my perspective, in order to be a managed care organization, you need to touch your members, you need to touch your providers. In the current model, uh, we have our, our third-party administrator be our member outreach, to be our provider relations, uh, to manage our uh, medical management. If you want to be a health plan, you would at minimum need to uh, be touching your members, touching your providers. I don't have to pay a claim. Um, I don't need to, uh, you know, do fulfillment myself to be a MCO, but I do need to be able to touch my providers and touch my members. You know, it's interesting. So 
I'm going to go back a few years. In 1997, legislation was put in place uh, that protected all county district hospitals. There are six of them across the state of Texas uh, that said, when the state of Texas goes to a managed care model, you will be guaranteed a spot as long as you could perform as a managed care organization. So Parkland, as some of our sister plans across the state, jumped in. And the best way to jump in, not knowing the business, is to align yourself with a third-party entity that can manage that business for you. And over time, our sister plans across the state, the ones that remain, grew up and took on those roles internally. And so I often like to refer to, you know, as I walked in, you know, we were the Flintstones in a Jetson era. Uh, and we had a real opportunity to to grow up, and um, not that we want to be like necessarily our sister plans, although very good plans. Um, you at a minimum need to, like I said, touch your members, touch your providers if you want to be a health plan. I love the reference to the Flintstones and the Jetsons. I mean, <laughs> so being around you and you, as you're building your team, it, it kind of there was a lot of energy. So. You know, and Joe and I were fortunate enough to be around us as you started building your team out. And um, but then COVID nineteen struck, and just as you were beginning, you know, you made your decision, kicked off the implementation. Did it change your plans at all? Did it cause you to speed up or slow anything down? No. Let me tell you something. If you know anything about me, and if you know anything about, um, I, I have a, it, it is a dynamic leadership team. Show us a challenge. And so, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to use a phrase that is now used quite a bit um, in various industries, but it's redefining your brick and mortar. And so, listen, we, we kicked off in early to mid-March, and we had a end date, uh, which was April 1. We have to go live April 1 of 2021. And anybody that's in the industry understands that we're, you know, we were on a tight window. And so uh, there's no time to rest. There's no time to, um, you know, feel sorry for ourselves and, oh, what was I? Oh, what was I as we are in this, uh, going through this pandemic? From my perspective, if, if I have seen anything, I've seen an acceleration. You know, I, I, I referenced to a meeting I attended with TMA, the Texas Medical Association, in late April. And the president CEO for the association expressed, you know, um, an evolution with their help with their uh, with their members. So their practices going into 2020, 8.5% of all practices in the state of Texas that were members of TMA uh, had some kind of telemedicine solution. As of April 1, that had increased to 88.7%. That evolution didn't take place between January and April. It took place between March and April. And so we have been talking about for years, um, you know, it's time to move, whether it be value-based um, reimbursement models, uh, whether it's using alternative um, health solution platforms uh, to be able to deliver care. What the pandemic has done for us is it's just accelerated that process. I mean, we. From my perspective, we're ahead of where we would have been if we would have been in the office. Now, in reality, I don't know that that's true, but I have seen no slowdown um, as far as us tracking towards 
um, this go live. And, you know, up until last week, I believe we have been tracking for a go live date of March 1st compared to April 1st. I believe now it's been moved to March 7th, March 8th. Um, we are, you know, we're on track to be to be ready uh, to flip that switch um, at the very latest, April 1st. John, in speaking with you, you've emphasized the importance of anchoring the health plan in the community that it serves. Why is this so important? And does this reflect the philosophy be it out? The delivery of healthcare ought to change? So that's a good, that's a great question. I love this question. So um, many years ago on the provider side, uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Dr. Don Berwick, uh, who at the time was uh, the founder of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, IHI. Uh, he later on went on to CMS, uh, had the opportunity to serve on their faculty for a handful of years and really gained an appreciation from the provider side of the equation. And so then we see this repackaging of how we deliver care, right, through, through the IHI AAA. Uh, but it's, it, it gave new energy. It gave uh, a little bit more detail around what we're trying to accomplish. And what we're trying to accomplish is better health outcomes, better consumer experience, and control of per capita cost. And so uh, that is that is that's what we're driving. And so um, as we go through this, listen, as a um, as a subsidiary of a county district hospital who is dedicated, whose mission is dedicated to serving the uninsured and the underserved, uh, it's 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 ingrained in who, what we are and who we are. And so. Uh, you know, we are tracking to uh, be the preferred MCO for our state agencies, for our members, for our providers, and our other community-based uh, stakeholders. We will never be the biggest MCO. Uh, I mean, we are we are tied to a county district uh, entity. We don't have to be the biggest to be the best. As we look at ourselves and w look at what, where we want to be, um, in the next two, three, five years and beyond, is we want to be the preferred uh, entity, like I said, for uh, for the state, for our members, and our providers. And that is how we're tracking. So, so I, I, I'm a big fan of Don Berwick as, as well, and and you know he, the the clarity he provides to his messages are just it, it, inspiring. Why did you choose to engage um, with Change Healthcare Consulting for this project? I mean. And what has been your experience with them so far? So I go back to February of 2019. You may recall this day. You know, we we sat in a conference room, um, and I I uh, gave you my vision, my kind of philosophy of what constitutes an MCO. And oh, by the way, I'm just in the middle of this. I also remember that it was a uh, Wednesday, I believe, and okay. I chose. I chose to take you to one of the infamous steakhouses um, in Texas. That Wednesday happened to be Ash Wednesday, so uh, <laughs> we both we both uh, took part. Uh, Bob's uh, some fish from Bob's, but anyway, uh, we went through a process of um, engaging a handful of well-known but national consulting arms uh, that we were looking to help support us, knowing that you're at. 15 FTEs, needing to scale that perspective, and not having um, a staff uh, that that has 
MCO um, operational experience, you know, we have oversight to our third parties, but real note, um, health plan operational experience. And so we were looking for a partner that would help guide us from the inception, which is, first of all, uh, understanding what we were trying to accomplish, uh, helping us through uh, the drafting of an RFP to final RFP, um, the process of uh, sending that out to national organizations uh, for responding, and really walking us through all the way up to choosing uh, that best core system uh, platform um, vendor for us. Um, and then walking us through and helping us navigate uh, and project managing uh, up to go live and beyond. So this partnership to me was one of the most critical um, first steps um, that we couldn't miss on. You know, we don't have a lot of dollars to um, go down go down a path and say, whoops, um, stop and then start again. And so uh, it, it, you know, it was a critical eye, critical ear, um, you know, who, who we felt, um, you know, were engaged with what we're trying to accomplish and uh, believed that was going to put us in the best position um, for success leading up to the implementation, but then the real success will come post. And so it's one thing to do a system implementation and data migration from other sources. Um, that gets you up to the point of then um, going beyond April 1st and the execution, uh, because that's when the eyes are now on you. You've taken accountability for what you have historically um, have just had oversight for. And so in mind, uh, having been in the industry as long as I have and what we we're trying to accomplish and based on who we were as an organization at the time and what we wanted to be in the future, Change Healthcare was the uh, appropriate partner for Parkland Community Health Plan. So we talked to John earlier about um, the COVID-19 and, and the impact on the project. You know, what's been your approach to keeping this project on track despite COVID-19 and, uh, and other variables in this project that, that's so big and complex? Yeah. Well, first of all, when uh, the COVID restrictions hit, it was uh, unique to all of us, obviously. And uh, I asked John, I said, John, do we need to change any plans? And he said, very definite, no. So we had our marching orders. We were going to proceed as planned. So we really... Uh, whatever we had to overcome, we just uh, knew we had to because uh, we were going to meet our objectives uh, no matter what. We were fortunate that we were to kick off the project in early March before travel restrictions, and we got off to a great start with all of our vendor participants as well as the Parkland staff. You know, our consultants, uh, we usually work one week on site and one week remote, so the change for us was not that dramatic. Uh, but it was dramatic for the Parkland staff. They had to quickly change from their office setting to remote almost overnight. And I really applaud them and their leadership for making that transformation so smoothly and effectively. So they, they play a big part in our being able to, to stay on track despite all the uh, remote work. What we have increased, though, is our daily communications, WebEx meetings, calls, emails, texts. We've been using all sorts of communication uh, methods to just increase 
our communication so that we're all in uh, locksteps. And for large complex projects like this, you know, uh, change uh, consulting, we have a proven methodology and tools that work in both on-site and remote situations. So we've used that those tools at Parkland. You know, we start out with a formal scope and governance document. We have project schedules for the multiple concurrent projects and teams, and we have weekly steering committee calls. And our change control board has also helped us keep on scope and manage any changes, additions, and stay within budgets. So, um, you know, we agreed from the start that uh, this project was to have a business orientation, and that helps keeps us uh, focused on ultimate goals and objectives. So, Joe, uh, one last question. So, I asked John what, what did success look like for Parkland? What, what does success look like for uh, you? Well, we we look forward to uh, a completely orderly transition from the, the current TPA to the, the new uh, mix of services, uh, some outsourced, some insourced. Uh, it's, it's really exciting for us to get things lined up early on, uh, to get a cutover plan down to the nth degree and just see it work. You know, we'd like to see and we usually do. Uh, go live uh, events are anticlimactic. We've done so much work ahead of time. When we flip the switch, things just run smoothly. So we're looking forward to uh, being there after go live for a stabilization period. Usually that becomes more of an optimization where we're trying to fine tune things, et cetera. But our, our success is, is really to uh, improve the provider and member communication points uh, through the Parkland staff and to help them with their day-to-day -day, uh, you know, care management activities. And, and that's, that's, I think, a measure of our success. The technology behind the scenes are our enablers, but to see the business work smoothly and, and really start to hum, that's, that's our definition of success. You've been listening to the Change Healthcare Podcast. For more information on this and other healthcare IT topics, please visit changehealthcare.com. Don't forget to check the show notes for useful links to related resources and our contact information. Thanks for listening and have a great day.